You're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show, or just tell a friend. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the man with the gold mane himself, Michael Mattson. How are you? Ah, uh, so, probably can't tell from my voice, because my voice sounds very tired, because I am very tired. But, mm. I am also excited. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing okay. I mean, I am, I've got a short week. I've got a four-day week this week and next week, so i got a four-day weekend. I'm... Looking forward to trying to you know, power through the next couple of days. Um, obviously, you know, chatting with you a little bit helps kind of break break up the monotony. So, and I know I know I'm excited for this weekend, and I think you're excited for this weekend too. Why are you excited for this weekend? I honestly, I'm just excited to be able to relax a little bit. I'm going to try to come to SCGCon Philly, or Philly, uh, New Jersey. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play, but I, I think I'm going to come to hang out at least for a little bit. I'm not sure if that's a good financial decision, but uh, it seems like a, a fun place to hang out for a little bit and see my friends play some high-level magic. And I think you're going to be there, right? Uh, that is true. That is that is why I'm excited. That's a, that's a long drive just to hang out for a bit. Two hours. Yeah, I mean, most of it, honestly, would just be, like, me stopping by and, you know, a phone, not a phone booth, a uh, stop and getting Cinnabon and, like, hanging out and listening to podcasts and uh, me getting there, hanging out maybe for, like, two or three hours. Maybe I can swing it where I can get dinner with a couple folks, but then me just driving back. Uh, Honestly, just a little me time, I think, would would be nice. I mean... That sounds awful, but you do you, man. I, I like me time. I don't know. I don't tell I, you. Sure. I just think there are way easier ways than being in the car for two hours each way and paying a lot in tolls. But I mean, I can the teach, teach their own. Yeah. Um, and I, I know we have a lot of things that, that we probably should talk about this week, Um I'm not even sure. Do you want to start looking at modern? I was thinking of talking about modern first. We talk about legacy a little bit later. Sure. Okay. So, um, if you are looking at the SCG Con jersey, there are a couple of things going on. Um, the highlight, I think, for most people is going to be the large two-day modern event. And, it, I mean, honestly, I think the modern format right now is in a really interesting spot. Um, legacy is... Arguably different, uh, but I do think modern pretty wide open. I see. I think there's a lot of different decks, but I definitely think that uh, the underworld breach decks are definitely the best thing you can be doing in this format. And I'm just kind of interested. Like, if you are looking at, you know, top level, you know, top level play, what things should you be looking out for? And I think thankfully we get a modern showcase challenge to kind of start off our conversation here. Um, if you got a, look, a chance to look through this, I mean, there's, I want to say, a good variety of decks. Um, you, you do have, like, Crushing Footfalls. You've got uh, 
Here, this this person, uh, Menino Ney, playing Living End. I've never heard of them, but sounds interesting. Uh, we've got uh, Yogmoth. We've got uh, Model Green Tron. There is one copy of Blue Red Murktide. Um, of course, we do see the Scam deck, which I think has been po- uh, popping up. Uh, not popping up, but a lot more popular in the past couple weeks. Um, but we also do have two copies, uh, both uh, Jaco Pablo, Jacob Pablo, there we are, and uh, Huabachi uh, playing, I think, once again, I think what is probably one of the best decks in the format. Uh, we get a Jeskai Breach. I uh, get Jeggy as a companion, which I, I'm a big fan of. Um... Are you on the same page that you think, like, Jeskai Ragavan, or at least some kind of Breach deck is probably the best deck in the format right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been kind of a big proponent of Breach for a while, as you know. I won my, um, like, I I won an RCQ at the end of last year with Breach. I played it at SCG Philly. Um, It is likely what I'll play this weekend. I'm not positive, but... But yeah, I, I definitely think Breach is the best. Like, I just think Underworld Breach is like the strongest card in the format, and so that's a good place to be. Like, it's still not completely clear what the best list is. Uh, like, I don't necessarily think it's the one we were talking about last week that won the the PPQ, but I do mm-hmm. think the success of that list has led to people trying a lot of innovative takes, and like, maybe one of those is it. Yeah, I mean, like, it, a lot of... A lot of variety. I mean, we've seen Underworld Breach, you know, come into a different, couple different decks. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, at least, has been the Shadow List has been popping up in, and we've seen it in more value piles. And I think it's actually interesting because Jacob Pablo is playing kind of what I expect to see out of the Breach decks, where you know you have the Ragavans, you got the DRCs, you've got the Bolts, and you got like the one Grape Shot to really get them. Um, but then if you look over at Quabachi's uh, list. You know, I see the DRC, I see the Ledger Shredders, I see Teferi. Uh, there's actually not any Grape Shot in this list, right? Like, this one's actually playing Breach, I don't want to say fairly, but, you know, just trying to maximize value there. It's, it's not really a combo deck like we've um, kind of grown to expect. Uh, so I'll say a couple of things about that. One, um, you mentioned Dragon's Reach Channeler, which I do want to clarify, it's not normally in the combo Breach text, but I think it is much better in these more mid-rangey builds. Um, they're way more aggressive. Like, you don't have to have your deck full of... I don't want to call them bad cards because I don't think they're bad. I know everyone else does. I don't want to yeah, call yeah. them, like... I, I guess the lighter, airier cards or whatever. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the Emery's and the Grinding Like, you don't have those. Uh, so the Dragon's Rea Channelers, as a nice addition, does kind of let you be way more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it's kind of nice there. I I think the grape shot is really bad. Um, if you are playing one of these decks this weekend, I would not play the grape shot unless you're playing with grinding station. It's just not necessary. Uh, so my experience with this deck so far has been because you're more aggressive, like you really can kind of get your opponents low, and then the underworld breach. More often than not, it's just like I'm gonna cast lightning bolt three times and you're dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is still kind of a combo um, yeah man. but yeah like the grape shot in a lot of the scenarios i've had is asking a lot because uh, in order for the grape shot to be good you basically need to have like 
three Dragon's Rage Channelers out and a Bauble, or at least two and a relatively stacked Graveyard, so like you can cast a bunch of spells before the Grape Shot. Because mm-hmm. um, you can get a fair amount of mana, but you're not going that that heavy where you're casting, like where you're storming off for the Grape Shot. Um, so I, I think a lot of times it just ends up being worse than a Lightning Bolt would be. And like for those situations where you do have like the multiple bearing and three channelers and the Urza's bobbles, honestly, you're just gonna draw like ten cards, so it doesn't matter. You're still gonna win. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I I kind of grown I've grown to expect that you know they're gonna be able to cast Teferi and then bounce their Mox Amber and then they have Emery so they can add mana, but like you know they still have Teferi in this list at least, but. You know, there is no Emery. Um, you're down to four legendary creatures if you're not counting Gigantha. Um, so, like, Mox Amber really isn't even viable here. It's not in this list at all. Um, so you are looking at something that is a, a, a little bit tighter on uh, mana, especially free mana sources as you're kind of going through your combo. Uh, so, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think Underworld Breach, Bolchu, Bolchu is still a pretty... A pretty potent uh, thing, right? Especially, like you said, in this deck that's so, so much more aggressive and, you know, can trigger Delirium pretty easily and can get in early with Ragavan or stay late with Ledger Shredder and just poke through some damage. Like, you know, just that extra six points from, you know, for essentially for four mana and six cards in your graveyard, like, that's that's usually enough to close the deal out. Yeah. So, I've, I've been playing some with the deck. The deck does feel really good. One of the things I will say about it is I do miss the combo elements. I, I, I think there's two different, like, like I think both decks are good, mm-hmm. uh, but and they're obviously similar, but they're not the same. But one of the things I do miss is like, I was playing against, I don't remember what I was playing against. It doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I was in a rough spot and I drew Underworld Breach and my opponent wasn't just like dead on the spot whereas like hmm. when i play the version with emory and grinding station most of the times like you know if i draw an underworld breach on like turn four and my opponent's dying if this card hits the table yeah uh, and, you know that's not to say underworld breach is bad in the new decks because it's still very good yeah. like <laughs> anytime you're like you, you think about it like this expressive iteration puts you up one card and gives you some select like some pretty good selection mm-hmm. and people are like oh my god this is broken when you play underworld breach costs the same amount of mana it's actually easier on your mana and you are probably drawing more than one extra card and you have a ton of selection mm-hmm. so that should kind of just speak to you know the card and i also just think it's really interesting that like this card has been in the format for how long, and we're just now getting around to playing it as a fair card. Yeah, I mean, it's th- th- that seems to happen a lot, though. We do this, I think, in the Magic community. We see things, like, one way, we pigeonhole them, and then, you know, we don't go back to them. I, I think even, like, Teferi uh, in this list is uh, able to be a little bit more aggressive, and I'm used to kind of thinking of it as a control card, but, like, it, it hasn't really been a control card for a while, at least, like, not prominently. It's It really is something that is protecting your combo um, more defensively or allowing you to be um, aggressive by... Maybe it bounces a, a Mox Amber or something like that, but a lot of times it's bouncing a blocker out of the way, making you spend your mana uh, recasting something. Like, th- this deck definitely does change the paradigm of, of some of these cards. Yeah. Also, with Teferi, it's... It's funny, I've seen some people advocating for cutting it already, because they're like, oh, it's not an aggressive card, and 
you know, it's an aggressive deck. But, like, I kind of agree with you. The card, you can use it in an aggressive context, just, like, bouncing something is aggressive. But also, like, we were just talking about how this isn't, like, a combo deck necessarily. And Sir Teferi is really good with Underworld Breach when you're just doing value breaches. When you get to, like, Underworld Breach, play some spells, and then bounce it with Teferi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that has come up for me in this deck. And also just, like, bouncing something to get through with my Ragavan has come up. And honestly, even if you've gotten to do Underworld Breach, like, play two Mistress Bobbles, play the Teferi from my yard, pick up the Underworld Breach, next turn, like, just load up and kill you. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it sounds like one of those... I, I want to say, like, a pipe dream there, but, like, it's it's five mana. Like, it's not, it's not unreasonable. Like... It, it very easily on turn three you could have three lands and two tokens for Magavan and you know off you go. So it's it's really nice. I think this deck too, and I I think you'll agree. I think the mana here is it feels really nice. I think um, to fairy. I think being a three mana spell and being the only three mana spell. If you're not counting expressive iteration, um, you know, as something you'd want to be able to play at least play a land after. Uh, but maybe a one drop like the deck is very good at playing uh, with low resources and is able to double spell just really effectively uh in this version and like you said because you're not playing with, with the grinding stations and stuff like that it's not like you you could actually afford to you know keep mana up or you can uh, cast a one drop uh to try to be aggressive play a creature or something like that but like you don't have a lot of those like more clunky cards for your expressive iteration um, so it is a little bit easier to, to double spell here. Yeah. And I think one probably last point I want to make on this deck is, uh, you know, we've been comparing it to, like, the Underworld Breach deck from, you know, let's say a month ago, mm-hmm. which I, I do think is reasonable. Otherwise, you know, we probably wouldn't be doing it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. you could also just compare it to the Merc-type deck, right? Like, it's got mm-hmm. a lot of similarities there, and it's... Hard to think of that because, you know, that deck would never play Gigantha. Um, and the deck doesn't really have the same amount of permission. Um, mm. But I kind of like that. Um, you know, long-time listeners of the cast will have probably heard me be pretty low on Merktide pretty consistently throughout its run-in <laughs> and modern, even when it's, like, performing at its best. Mm. But I, I think this deck is just a better version of that deck. Um I have never been super high on Counterspell in the format. Like, it often feels too slow. Like, it can't catch you up. I know a lot of people have been low on Archmage or Charm. And then people have even been, like, not excited about Merktide Regent, saying, like, it's a lot of investment for a card that can be answered by a surprising amount of stuff in this format. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just get to not play any of those, like, not good cards. Uh, I mean, like, obviously all those cards are good, but... You know, contextually, they might not be as strong as you want them to be. And and you just get to play straight, powerful cards in this. You get to pick up a companion, which is nice. I, I really like what's going on here. I just, you know, sometimes I do miss that combo aspect, though. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I think that your comparison to Merktide Regent is, like, the Merktide deck is a really good one. I mean, like, I think cards like, you know, even looking at, like, Soko's thir- 13th list uh, from the Showcase Challenge, you kind of see what you're talking about. Like, you know, you are playing the Dragon Rage Channel, the Ragavan, the Ledger Shredder. Um, you're trimming on Merktide, so like, that's definitely got, 
come down as the Legislator has gone up, which makes sense. You don't need that many creatures in the deck. Um, but, like, Murktide, like you said, is a liability, especially if, you know, the Breach decks are very popular and Teferi main deck is a very expectation. I, I think you playing Murktide Regent into a field full of Teferi feels awful. Um, and it's not even to mention the fact that, like, you know, you see things like Archmage's Charm, which at one point was a four of, then like a three of, now like a like a two of. This list is a one of. Like it's it's just gotten worse and worse. Like a counterspell is the counterspell that I want, and Archmage's Charm is just kind of a liability. Like it's the modes have gotten a lot worse now that we've seen things like, um, you know, Amulet for example. It's a, li a little less popular, so we're not able to steal a. Um, Amulet of Vigor uh, as often. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of the decks that Archmage's Charm, the counter mode, would be relevant against just have their own stuff prepared. Like, even going back to the uh, Breach decks, like, you know, Jacob Pablo's playing two main deck Spell Pierce. Uh, we see three main deck Spell Pierce in Quibachi, uh, and that's not even mentioned, like, post-board where you start bringing things like Flusterstorm and whatnot and Mystical Dispute, like... I just don't know if I really want to invest three mana on Archmage's Charm, and two mana for Counterspell isn't even necessarily a hard counter in this deck, and if you're playing something, you know, like, you know, this kind of more aggressive breach strategy, um, even that, or even the, you know, the Shadow we were talking about before, um, you can usually get underneath um, Murktide pretty, pretty nicely um, while playing some of the game plan, like, and if you can't actually resolve multiple breath of iterations, either because you don't have the time or because you're um, doing so much to play defense, you know, it, it's really kind of a recipe to for disaster. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I if I would want to play... Like, I think this deck is obviously solid. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're planning on playing this New Jersey, I don't want to scare you off. Uh, but it, it might not... I don't think it's in the best place. I, I think it's a, a little worse. Um, obviously, the deck... The raw power of Murktide Regent um, in modern, I think, is obviously still going to be there. Still, it's still solid. And Expressive Iteration will just carry you sometimes. But like, I I'm not really high on Murktide uh, Blue Red Murktide right now. I mean, the the fact that they are only playing two Murktides in their deck just cut it. Just play the <laughs> best card in the format. Well, I mean, like, I'm I'm kind of at the point where I'm just like, and once again, I've been playing Shadow, so I, I am a little biased there, but like. I, I think I'd much rather have play, be playing Shadow, be able to play my own, like you said, my own companion. I still get to play similar elements, but like actually having access to black, I, I think it's actually really nice, especially when you start looking at the format and start seeing these, uh, I don't want to say this, this metagame that is focused, but at least has Underworld Breach in the, in the eyes. Like, it it is really nice to have something like uh, Drown of the Lock and be able to try, try at least try to counter an underworld breach because worst case scenario they they spell pierce it or whatever, uh, but that deck is very good at stocking its hand up with answers. Uh, but also the more you fight with <laughs> with them over their breach, the less impact it's going to have. Hopefully, so um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. If I was going to play like a blue red blue red X strategy that wasn't the breach deck, I, I'm just playing shadow instead. Yeah, I, I think shadow is a good choice too. Um, the other deck, like moving off of Breach entirely, mm -hmm. you, know what, you know what other deck I think is a great choice? Is it Scam? No. I, I don't condone people playing Scam. Okay. Um, 
the deck is actually powerful and it is a good choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, don't like the blue splash that I know some people are trying. Yeah. Uh, but deck very good. But no, uh, the correct answer is creativity. <laughs> yeah, I think creativity is pretty solid. I mean, like, looking at, like, Spider Space's list, uh, once again, from the Showcase Challenge, I mean, it's it's just doing the stuff you need to do. And, you know, if we are... this is. It's kind of ironic, right? Um, this is a deck where I actually would not mind having my counter spells and my Archmage's Charm, but, like, this deck is ready to fight that fight, and this is kind of what I'm talking about for Murktide. Like, you can you can come all prepared with your five hard counters. Uh, they've got two Teferi Time Ravelers. They've got four Spell Pierce. Uh, they have the Prismari Commands, which I, I don't think is something I really want to counter. Um, maybe I want to counter their Fable, the Mirror Breaker, but, like... Once they start getting things in the graveyard, you got to worry about Persist now uh, for the Archon. Uh, Ren and Six is still kind of a nightmare if it tags your DRC or your Ragavan. Uh, Leyline Binding is, uh, like, once again, a very solid answer to something like Murktide Regent. Like, I am not interested in try- <laughs> trying to fight uh, Spider Space and Domino Creativity at the same time. Like, this is, this is kind of the, the issue, I think, right now for the, the blue-red Murktide list. Yeah. So, a couple things I will say about creativity is, one, um, the floor of this deck is just so high. Mm-hmm. Like, all, it's another deck where, you know, most of your cards are good. Um, yes, the mana base is very painful, mm-hmm. but just like, you know, it, like when you curve Ren and Six in a Fable of the Mirror Breaker, it's like, People are like, oh, you're so reliant on creativity. It's like, are you, though? Like, I just cast these two banger of cards. Like, am I really going to lose from here? Because now I just have, like, spell peers all the time. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I've won my fair share of games with the deck where I just, like, don't ever cast creativity. Um, some, like, I, you know, I've had it get um, necromantrid and stuff and been like okay yeah whatever don't care uh, so the floor is just so high and then like this you know it's just it's so consistent but like um you also have very easy to follow guides and like i know kyle bogamas put out like has been winning a lot with the deck he's won like three events with it so far over the past like two months um and so he's got an article with his detailed sideboard guide spider space uh if you follow him on twitter put out his sideboard guide he like top aided the modern ptq and then came at ninth in the showcase challenge so a bunch of results there but if you just click on the creativity page on goldfish and just look at the side you'll see it just like first first fifth first first like <laughs> I, it seems to be... I do think the deck is very popular. I think it is probably... Like, it's probably fighting with Murktide for the most popular deck in the format. But it also just seems to consistently have, like, two one or two copies in every top eight I look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in Spirit, and obviously not, not not one deck list, but in Spirit, this reminds me a lot of Scapeshift. Right, that kind of strategy where you you want to resolve that one marquee spell, but like you said, you don't need to resolve the one marquee spell. Um, and this deck is a lot better at fighting through the fight. Um, obviously, I think you having you know going talking about scape shift real quick, you have the ability just to you know put lands into play and then cast a we'll say you know 
Primeval Titan, right, as a backup plan if you don't cast Scapeshift. Like, that is a thing that can happen, but, like, I think this deck is somehow more dense and less dependent on resolving Indomitable Creativity, you know, because you have the ability to find other threats so so easily, you know, between Fable, Fable draws so many cards, it's insane, um, and Ren and Six and all that, you just have so much inevitability. Um, it's really hard for for people to attack this deck profitably. I, I think something like Scapeshift is a little bit more narrow and a little easier to, to target if you need to. Um, this deck is... Yeah, there's a reason why this deck is is one of the more popular choices. I, I definitely see why. Yeah. Also, I think this is the deck, uh, the non-Urza Saga deck, that is absolute best at using Red and Six. Yeah, I would say that too. And, you know, I think... Being a deck that's good at utilizing another one of the best cards in the format is it's just always a good place to be. Um, also, the, the fact that, like, if you look at the list, there's so much variation amongst them. Like, you know, some people are on four colors, some people are on five colors, some of the five color players play Teferi, some don't, like, some are on Leyline Binding, some aren't. Just, like, the fact that there's not a consensus and it still puts up these results is insane. Um, also, like, I know Canister was going to play this deck in the Showcase Challenge until he forgot to sign up. Um, and <laughs> oh, no. Even though he somehow managed to forget to sign up, he's still very smart, supposedly. Mm. Um, and I would generally uh, trust his deck choices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I, I do want to make sure we get to talk about Legacy a little bit, but I, I don't want to leave uh, in the middle of our, our modern discussion. Um, so are there... If you, well, I mean, you are obviously going to be playing, I'm assuming you're going to be playing Breach, but um, what what would your pick be for a deck that is, that we haven't talked about already that would surprise you, uh, wouldn't surprise you if it had a top finish this weekend? Um, I mean, this is a little bit of bias. I actually think Amulet is maybe secretly a good choice. If people start picking up the Breach deck instead of Murktide, that means less Blood Moons. I'm actually still not convinced the Murktide matchup is particularly bad. Mm -hmm. um, the creativity matchup is not great, but I feel like people have moved away from Leyline Binding and also moved away from some of the cards that made it so bad. Mm -hmm. But that could just be, in my head, that could just be Cap. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I know people are very high on Hammer, so, mm -hmm. I could see. I don't know. Actually, I I'm not a believer in hammer. I feel like Jessica and Creativity both kind of poop on that deck. Um, what deck do I think is good? I think I just have to say Scam. I just think it's the best deck that we didn't talk about. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. I I think that deck has has enough of inevitability, and like you said, I think the format is less about. Um, you know, combo finishes and more about being able to play that um, mid and go into the late game potentially with some of these decks. And I, I think Scam is a, a very solid deck of playing early and also having staying power late. I, I think it's a really good spot, especially when you start, uh, when you are considering the fact that uh, the format is, I don't want to say super dependent, but uh, there's a lot of cards in decks, this sounds really silly in, in when I'm saying it, but there's a lot of cards in decks that are like the recoup card, um, the card that you really need to resolve, and then you can kind of get the ball rolling, and I, I think Scam has a higher density of them, you know, when you start talking about things like Season Pyromancer, Grief, and Fury, 
like it's a really easy to get that advantage back with that with that deck. Uh, especially, you know, that's before you add in like the Fame Death and the Undying Malices and stuff like that. So I, I think that deck is kind of positioned already just to to fight the good fight. You know, I guess kind of the rude fight to be fair, but uh, fight the, fight the good fight over a long tournament. So that that is definitely my choice too. Okay, my second sleeper pick is going to be Control. By the way. Oh, okay. Like just like like. We we're talking here, like some fourth light control. We're we talking like blue white control. Blue white, maybe oh. slashing room in six. Uh, Solitude is like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Solitude's like really good against like the Merc type players. It's reasonable against the creativity players. I think it's uh, one of the better cards against scam. Um, Teferi also one of the better cards against scam. Uh, it's good against the Cascade decks, which always show up in some number of these things. Um, Chalice of the Void, very good against the Breach variants, good against Merkdead. Like, I think the strategy as a whole is just kind of solid against, like, the blue-red decks. Uh, I think Grinding Station is favored versus it, but I don't think the other... Like, I don't think the other Breach decks are necessarily favored against it. Um, so I think that's a pretty good place for it to be. I... Like, I think the matchup versus... Um, Creativity is close, mm-hmm. but like, I think, I think, control is like one of those decks where like the people playing the deck are either just like the control diehards who aren't very good but they just want to play control, mm-hmm. or they're like very good because like I just think the average player isn't picking up control. So so like I think when you have the people who play and do well at control or play and do well with the deck in these kinds of events. They're very strong players. So I think in that head-to-head against the average creativity player, they're going to come out ahead. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can see Control doing well. Yeah, I actually really, really love... Obviously, I think Chalice of the Void in this format is very good. I think there's a lot of one-drops you want to counter. Uh, and, you know, we talked br- very, very briefly about... Uh, living end, um, you know, and crashing footfalls like Chalice, obviously still being a really solid answer to those those decks here. Um, but I think Supreme Verdict is just so good. Like, there's a lot of decks that say, okay, well, I want to play these cheap, efficient creatures, and I've got Spell Pierce to back it up, try to beat me. And you're like, Supreme Verdict, it's uncounterable. Like, oh no, my one enemy, my one weakness. Like, I think the Supreme Verdict's in a, a really nice spot here too, and. So I think this is a once again a, a very good solid pick, um, kind of a, as a surprise deck. Uh, Wandering Emperor too, just a shout out to to them. They the card is fantastic. All right, so um, hopefully I you know I see you take down the event the you know twenty k with with uh, Underworld Breach in your deck. Um, what what do you think about for for Legacy? This is the one I'm kind of interested in because you know the the last you know month we'll say right i think the last month we've been looking at delver as the deck that is you know wearing the 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 crown the number one dad shirt and suddenly you start seeing you know initiative show up here one there two there but like delver is still like the top deck and i, I think it took until Sunday when we had uh, McWinthoff, we had Promen- uh, Promenites, we had Ozzy, we had Budakov, 
even like Hank the Beast, right? Um, five out of the top. Hank the Obese. Oh, Hank the Obese. You're right. You're right. Whose uh, name is not even Hank? No. Oh, really? Yeah. No, his name's not Hank. I don't remember what his real name is, but I know it's not Hank. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, five out of the top eight, and uh, more importantly, four out of the top four, just playing initiative. I mean, different flavors too. I mean, we we do see a couple of mono white. Um, there also is the, I, I guess calling it Naya is, I don't want to say disingenuous. I, I feel like it's very, the, the Naya and the uh, green white that McWinsauce actually played are all very similar. Um, the green, for, for those who don't know, um, is the initiative deck, but you're splashing green for Once Upon a Time, uh, which I think is a really solid pickup myself. But um, And then also the Unite. Naya Initiative version is also playing Once Upon a Time, uh, but you also get to add Cave of Chaos Adventurers, which is a card I have very quickly fallen in love with. I think that card is fantastic, um, especially in a deck like this. Uh, are you, do we have to like oversideboard for Initiative, or is this bigger a bigger issue than I, I'm considering? So, a few things I'll say about Initiative. Um, one, you were talking about it being popular. Mm-hmm. You know it. Finally, it overtook Delver for the number one spot on Goldfish. That's insane to me. I mean, like it's finishes like this that do it, but like I feel like Delver has been the top list on Goldfish. I I actually didn't even know it could move. I just assumed that like they just like put Delver in number one, and then everything else actually just calculated around it. Uh, yeah, Delver normally is like you know eighteen percent, nineteen percent, but we've seen uh, the initiative deck just take up. A percentage after percentage, and now we're at the point where the mono white initiative um, is eighteen point four percent. Delver is seventeen uh, percent, but that's not even including like the Nye initiative and the Boros initiative decks. Um, you know, you add them all together, you're somewhere like closer to like twenty six percent. Yeah, uh, that's significant. Two, I do think that Naya is the best build. Mm-hmm. Uh, just if anyone's curious, I know XJ is currently on green white. But I think just adding the red is like kind of free. Mox Diamond felt really good to me when I played a little bit of the deck. Um, I don't. I don't know for sure because I'm not really putting the effort in. But uh, three. Yeah, oh, real, real quick, just uh, to your credit, I, the way Cave of Chaos Adventure is being free for those who are like not sure, like like how's it free? Um, you are still playing like you know mainly white sources. You're adding plateau. Um, but the Cavern of Souls is, you, know, you put that on a human, that actually helps tap for red for your Cave of Chaos Adventurers while also tapping for the appointed uh, Peacekeeper, Palace Jailer, and Seasoned Dungeoneer. So it, it really is essentially free. The mana base doesn't change that significantly. Um, yeah. Add it. And, like, you, you really add a lot more power to your deck. Like, yes, it's slightly more finicky, but, like, you don't have as many of the draws that just, like, don't do anything or don't line up well. Like, you're just constantly going through the dungeon. I think, you know, that's the most powerful thing your deck can do. So making your deck do it very consistently is, you know, good. Like, like if my deck is going to fire off, you know, maybe 5% less of the time, but when it fires off, it is, like, an A+, plus instead of, like, you know, an A minus, like, I, I think that's worth it. Um, anyways, to answer your actual question, I 
don't love Sasato just playing a million sideboard cards for this deck. I do think it will be one of, if not the most popular deck at the event. Um, just based off of the trends with Eternal Weekend and based off of what I'm seeing people post on Twitter, I, like, I do think it's going to be really popular. Um, but I just don't think a lot of like sideboard cards actually do that much mm -hmm. versus the deck. And like they're helpful, don't get me wrong. Like don't just look at your deck and like look at your last four sideboard slots, have cards that are good against Mono White and go, nah, Absent said it's bad to sideboard versus this. <laughs> like don't don't do that. Yeah. Play play the cards. But um I think a lot of the sideboard cards versus the deck are just not as strong as people think they are. And I think you kind of need to play a deck that's fundamentally solid versus it. And then maybe sideboard past that to like give you that last bit of hedge. Like I wouldn't, like I, I don't think you can show up with a deck that's just like weak, like truly weak against the deck. And then be like, oh, I'm going to sideboard a couple cards to fix it. Like I just don't think that's realistic. I think at that point you're just hoping to dodge. Um, I do think it's possible to beat the deck with various things. Uh, I feel like I've had a good win rate against it with a couple decks. Like I know, um, like so I know Calum Smith has been like crushing the deck with Painter, um, and I know Delsar has been doing the same, and Julian's been doing the same. Uh, Julian just won a, like an invitational event with Painter, so that was cool to see. Mm -hmm. um, like I know I've been beating it pretty consistently with Cephalid Breakfast, and I know some others who have been playing Breakfast because it's favorite against it. Um, when I was playing Depths, I was beating it most of the time, although XJ is saying that's like actively one of his best matchups, so hmm. I'm kind of curious what the truth of the matter is. Like At some point, I probably need to just message him and be like, hey, can we just like play a couple matches and like really once and for all figure it out because i like i've heard depths players say they feel favored i've heard depths players say it's unwinnable like i it's it's, it's hard to know what's true um but yeah i think you just have to play a deck that can that is fundamentally favored against it and i think the ways that you do that are by playing things that don't necessarily rely on winning through combat or if they do by going fair over the top like i know Elves is another, like, I know actually I said Elves is, like, actually, like, one of, if not his worst matchups. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, it's a deck that wins with combat, but it just goes very over the top when it does. Um, you know, I think, like, Reanimator is another one. Like, it technically wins through combat with Crystal Brand, but, like, it's not really, like, winning through combat. You know, it's, like, it's going mm -hmm. very much over. So I think you need strategies like that. I don't think you can play something like Merfolk and be, like, I showed up with this 3-3, three, three, or, like, this 2-2, two, two, now I have, like, two three threes. like, they're just gonna run you over with their white cards. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think something you kind of mentioned, too, like, with, with Elves, like, I think when you're talking about Elves, it's, it's not even, like, the uh, Fiend Artisan ver version we've been we've been seeing the past couple months, it's going back to the the version that is more combo-centric, that puts a bunch of creatures on the board, can go really wide, and play that kind of that game there. Uh, I think you, one of the things, and I was, talk, I was talking to um, Kellen Pastor at Turtle Weekend and Chad Hinkle at Turtle Weekend as well, like something that they mentioned was like that the initiative deck is 
really awkward on its mana. And going back to the the Nihilist, like you you end up seeing the fact that we do have like things like Anointed Peacekeeper, uh, White Plume Adventurer. You have to minimize the number of times you are casting the double white spells, though. Like things like Palace Jailer and Solitude, um, obviously great, but like Solitude, you can always just you know pitch a card and cast it like that. You, you really can't do that with Palace Jailer. Like, you've got to pay double white uh, one way or another. And, you know, when you start looking at things like Lotus Petal, that's a, that's a one-time use. Uh, you do have, obviously, things like uh, Mox Diamond. You've got, you know, your Plateaus and your Caracas and stuff like that. But, like, those do get attacked. Like, it, it is very likely that your opponent might have a Wasteland or something like that to attack your, your white sources. And, and now you're... It's problematic, right? So uh, something that they were kind of mentioning was if you can tie them up on the white mana, it's easier for you to attack them. And, you know, that might look different for other decks. Um, you know, for elves, it's just a matter of going wide. And I think um, the painter deck does something similar where, like, you can remove a goblin welder if you want to, but, like, is that is that how you want to spend your, your one available white mana, like casting uh, sorts of share? Probably not. Um, and maybe when you start doing that, you're able to, you know, they're able to double spell. Well, you know, maybe they play White Blue Adventurer. Um, you know, going Goblin Welder, Goblin Welder uh, is probably just a better overall play there, right? And able to go, go wide and present these problems that are difficult to deal with. Um, and that's kind of what my strategy has been at least playing Delver. I, I've actually really liked the matchup. I, it took me a while to figure it out. Um, but now that I kind of understand how I should be playing it, I'm just I'm just holding up mana. I'm casting spells. I'm making sure my creatures don't get hit by uh, Source of Plowshare if they don't need to. I'm, I'm trying to attack their white sources. I'm dazing uh, Mox Diamonds and st- things like this if, it, if I'm given the chance. Like, you have a lot of opportunities to attack them. You, you just have to kind of choose a way and be consistent uh, if you want to be successful. Um, also, can we stop playing Unchained Berserker people? I just, like, cannot get behind that card. I, I, I'm i so over it. Nope. Here to stay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Although, uh, if people do continue adapting Blessed Alliance, then both of them get worse. Yeah, Unblessed Alliance is, is brutal. Uh, yeah, I mean, but like at that point, then you're you're looking at like casting things like you know combust or fry or whatever. Like I'm not I'm not trying to go down that road. Even though that's actually not embarrassing. Like I actually don't mind the idea that like they're gonna bring in Chalice and I get to like rending volley them like their creature. Like that's actually not terrible to me. Uh, but not necessarily what I what I want to be doing uh, <laughs> if I can avoid it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm at a place, and I'm not sure if you're in the same place. I, I think we're at a place where, like, if I am going to take the event seriously, I, I think I'm playing either Initiative or I'm playing Delver. I think those are, like, very easily option 1 and 1A. One I'm not sure what order. I think for me it'd probably be Delver and then Initiative, but I think for a lot of people that I'm seeing it's Initiative or Delver. Um are there really any other viable options in your mind here? Yeah, I mean, if if I play, I'm either playing Initiative or Cephalid Breakfast. Uh, I know that sounds like a joke, but I'm being dead serious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the deck's consistently been doing well, and I have 
like I said, I've, I've been beating uh, Initiative and Dover with it pretty consistently. You know, it's it's not like the matchups are like 100-0 or like 80-20, but like mm-hmm. I, I feel favored. Um, I think Painter is also a good choice, but like I don't think any of these decks are like decks you necessarily want to play on zero reps. Um, mm-hmm. I think you need to know what you're doing and like have plans for various matchups. And like one of the things, and I think this is more true of Breakfast than Painter, is sometimes the deck feels like just a little bit underpowered. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you do have to worry about that. Like, yes, it might be a good metagame choice, but sometimes you just like don't do anything. But then yeah. also like both decks, sometimes it's just like, well, turn two, my opponent's dead. Like, <laughs> GG nerd. And I had like this counterspell backup. Still had all these. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that is definitely a deck you mentioned before. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to win through combat. Like, you, you know, you do have playing Cephalid Breakfast, you have the option of playing Stoneforge Mystic into, um, you know, Culture Complete or something like that and taking the game over over a couple turns. Mind you, Culture Complete is a very good thing to play versus uh, initiative decks, right? It's a very easy way to take it back and to make sure your opponents can't steal it back. They're either going to die or they're going to lose their creatures. Uh, but. I think that deck with the ability to just, uh, you know, win through Thassa's Oracle is, is actually pretty decent. Uh, I do wonder if, like, if you want to kind of go down that path uh, a little bit more intensely, like, I wonder if uh, playing something like Oops is, you know, a consideration. Like, I, I don't know how that nope. matchup... Nope. Nope, it's not something you, you even consider? I mean, I feel like Oops is, like, better than I give it credit for, mm-hmm. but I... You cannot convince me to play such a glass cannon deck in a world where Delver is like still one of the most popular decks by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. Like I, I know people tell me it's not it's terrible against Delver, but like I don't lose it when I play Delver. Uh, mm-hmm. I assume that it is the same for you. Yeah, I, I don't lose either. But I mean, once again, I think the I. This, not to sound cocky, but I, I think I'm slightly above average for for Delver players. So, I I have definitely seen... I mean, like, to be fair, I've lost the matchup before. It's not like it's like, you know, I'm, I'm 100% versus it. it. You know, th- th- it's tough. It can be tough, at least. And I think I'm excellent one on that matchup. I might be... I mean, once again, I think my volume of Delver might be a little higher than yours. I think I'm... I probably lost it twice, I want to say, two or three times. But I, I out of, like... Uh, 10 matches or 15 matches somewhere in there. I've probably lost it two or three times, but it, I think it's it's obviously in Delver's favor. I, I think there's a lot of nuance, um, and you, you have to be very disciplined with the hands that you keep. Um, I think when I lost, and I, I can't think of what the player's name is, um, I, I think I lost to something that was like, um, I'm going to win on turn four, and I've got like triple packed or something like that. It was something like that. Whereas, like, I, my fourth of wills are not good enough here. So, <laughs> I lost. Um, and they had enough to pay for my days or something like that. Something absurd. Have you uh, lost to the Memories Journey tech yet? I've not. I've not. Oh, that, yet. that feels bad when it happens. It makes me so angry. It's just <laughs> like, you're supposed to be dead. So, mm-hmm. I will say, whoever figured that out, that is, uh, that was, that was good innovation. I hate them, but, you know. <laughs> Well played. It definitely is a little tough. I think a lot of sideboards kind of inadvertently are, are, especially Death for Delver, like you're playing the Surgical Attraction, you're playing the Grafdigger's Cage, you're playing, um, you know, all these 
counter spells and not to mention that you can bring in counterbalance. Like you have a lot of a lot of things you can bring in for that matchup. It's hard for them to uh, be able to attack it consistently at least, uh, which I think is help helpful for the Delver. Uh, it needs to line up for them uh, one way or another, and that, that's kind of re- the reason I like the matchup in general. But I, I do think for the initiative deck, you know, looking at the different builds. Uh, we are seeing things like Archon of Emeria not necessarily be uh, a consistent thing. Like, you know, McWinsauce's list does play four Archons in the main. Um, but if you are looking at Ozzy's list, um, there's none. You know, there's not even any in the sideboard. Like, the big hate you have for that matchup, I, I think, would have to be the Fairy Macabs, uh, which are obviously problematic, and, and the Deafening Silences, too. Um, but Deafening Silence actually is... I'm, I'm going to say kind of awkward there because like you can just play a creature, then mill yourself and then cast your one non-creature spell for the turn and, and win the game. So like, it's not even that great. I know we need, we need to make moves here. Uh, if you are going to the event, you're not playing Delver. You're not playing initiative. Um, for the sake of conversation, let's say you're not playing depth either. Um, are you? What would you lean towards? Do you think elves is a is the best option, or are you leaning towards something like painter, maybe reanimator? So me personally, if I'm not playing initiative, I, I'm probably playing breakfast. Um, if if somebody else is asking me what to play and they don't want to play Dover or initiative. Uh, Assuming that they are like good at picking up a new deck on the fly and have access to everything, I'm probably saying play Painter, I think. Mm. Um, and if they aren't great at picking up decks on the fly, I'm telling them to play Modern. <laughs> yes, that is probably the correct answer. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's very fair. I mean, I, I do think... And I, 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 mean, I could be wrong, honestly. I, I think that the Northeast is the best legacy scene in the country. Um, fight me, everybody else. Um, but I think the players that are going to show up with Initiative and Delver, um, honestly, anything you expect at those higher tables, they're going to be experienced. They're going to know the matchups just as well or better than you. Um, there's a good chance that if you show up you know, playing something like, like Elves and don't understand how to play the Initiative matchup or have never actually played... Uh, Reanimator versus Delver, like you're just gonna get get tossed. Like I, I think you have a better shot playing a uh, I don't say more rogue strategy, um, but something that is less established that you have less reps with in modern than you do in Legacy right now. I, ju- I just think you need to be prepared to play against Initiative and Delver. I'm gonna s- estimate seven of your nine rounds, um, and that's it. But I just think those two decks are way ahead of the rest of the format right now. I, I don't know I don't know what what person is gonna, you know, take down this event, um, the, the legacy ten K on Saturday and who's not gonna have at least um, you know, those seven an initiative and Delver opponents um throughout the day. Yeah. Oh, sneak sneaky sneaky choice? Food chain. Oh gosh. Um, I'm being Dead serious. <laughs> I, I believe you. Uh, what what about food chain? Would would is interesting. I, I'm kind of sad saying this because I I know our friend Mike. I'm not going to spoil what he's playing, but he's not mm-hmm. playing food chain, which is like oh. the late deck I 
I associate him with that in Battle of Wits in Modern. Okay. Um, but uh, lots of creatures mm-hmm. with which, you know, you can kind of hold the initiative back. And again, you don't, like, win through combat. You can just, like, kind of go for that combo kill. Um, getting access to Ice Fang Quaddle and, like, Mist Hollow Griffin gives you, like, good, like, reasonably good game against Delver. Um, mm-hmm. And I just like that deck, so. That's cool. Yeah, you gotta root for you know you gotta root for the cool ones. <laughs> All right, with that we we should probably should start getting out of here. Uh, Mapson, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at SCG New Jersey, um, but also on on Twitter at Expedition Map. But it's more exciting to find me in person. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, I guess, if you're listening to this when the show comes out, I will be on Vile Smashed, um, have a, a Twitch stream, I will be playing that um, CEDH tonight there. Um, I should be at the event this weekend, I, I, I'm probably not playing, but I should be able to hang out and maybe get some games in if people want to, you know, jam some Modern or Legacy or CEDH um, this weekend, just, you know, let me know. Um, obviously we have tokens too, uh, but more importantly, if you want to find me on the internet, uh, you can find me at, uh, Bad Luck Bandit on Twitter. If you're interested in finding the show, we are at depth underscore, uh, podcast on Twitter as well. You know, shout out to our newest patron, Eternal Casual. Uh, you know, very excited that you got to join us, join our Patreon. Um, you know, hit, hit us up if you want a couple tokens, anything like that. And hopefully we'll see you at SCGCon Jersey. Uh, but you know, once again, if you want to support us, I mean, you could become a patron. Obviously, we do have the link to that in our on our Twitter page uh, for the Dark Depth podcast. Um, but you could also, you know, give us a donation on PayPal. You could also just like you know tell a friend about our show. Honestly, we the number of people who uh, say, "Oh, my friends listen to your show and they got me into it." Like that's it's kind of what we're going for, right? If you can just tell your friends to listen to our podcast and you know get some tips and tricks and some advice, like that's that's kind of the dream for us. So, uh, but you know, I, I do appreciate people who decide to be patrons to it. That also helps obviously. So yeah, thank you very much for, to eternal casual for, for joining us. All right, with that, I guess I'll see you uh, this week, weekend in Jersey. Uh, yeah, I'll see you.